When I was 26 years old, there was a period of time for about three and a half or four months where I slept in a sleeping bag in a closet because I was living with a friend, well, two friends, and to make a long story short, we were living in a two-bedroom apartment, but we wanted to rent it out and share it between the three of us because it was more cost-effective that way. So what we decided to do is have them sleep in the two bedrooms and me sleep in what was called the walk-in closet. And it was absolutely legendary. We have absolutely legendary stories of me sleeping in this closet. And yeah, that was the way I lived for about a hundred days, essentially just sleeping in this walk-in closet. And it was barely big enough for me to fit. It was like, you know, six feet by three feet or four feet or something like that. I would like hang my clothes up around the outside have my dirty gym bag that I would also take to jujitsu classes, probably like smelled like crap in there, had like a sleeping bag with some couch cushions on the floor and um, a pillow and then that was it, right? And that was the way I lived for those three, three and a half months. And it's funny because there was one time like one of our friends walked in there and he just absolutely burst out laughing when he saw the conditions that I was living in. And this is me at 26 years old. And it's really interesting to me because Probably one of the biggest things that I learned from travel, traveling a lot throughout my 20s. Well, okay, like let me start over. Let me let me start over and explain why I became very different than most Americans, if you want to put it that way. Is because like if you look at the typical way someone who grows up in my background lives life, it's a little bit something like this. So you grow up in a middle class to upper middle class suburb in the United States of America. Apple Valley, Minnesota, in my case. How do things usually work? Well, you work fairly hard, you go to school, if you, you know, if, if you do everything right, you know, if you follow the system and you do things right and you make your parents happy in this world, you'll go to school, you'll do well enough in school to go to college, you will want to go to college because, of course, your parents want you to go to college, you'll do well enough in college that you'll get a pretty good GPA, you'll be able to get some sort of a corporate job, and then from there, you'll start off making maybe $50,000 a year right when you get out of college, depending on the major, you'll climb up the corporate ladder just slightly, you know, maybe making 55, then 60,000, and then up to 100,000 after you've been there for five or 10 years or something like that. And you're gradually playing this game where typically, now I'm kind of excluding certain factors like, okay, I got married, had kids, this, whatever, whatever, but like you move up this ladder and you maybe start off, you move out into an apartment, you finish college, you move into your own apartment, something like that, and you live in that maybe a one-bedroom apartment, maybe you meet your significant other, then you buy a house, it's a small house, after a while you upgrade to a larger house, your larger house has some extra possessions in it, and you're doing better materially in life. Materialistically, you're, you're adding more and more, you're getting a bigger house, you're getting some nicer things, a nicer car, and everything, but you're essentially, you're still living the exact same way and playing the same game. You're living in the hustle and bustle of Working 40 hours a week, which realistically is more than 40 hours a week. I mean, it's like, okay, 40 hours of time in front of your desk, but if you include the commute and all of the other stuff, like you're working from like 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday and probably you're on call a little bit in the evenings and the weekends, okay? And this is not just an America thing. This is the same in like most parts of the world, just with slightly different details. But you're in this system where you work fairly hard to make slight upgrades in your material possessions throughout your life for the most part. Now, This idea just never really resonated with me that much. And the biggest reason is probably because when I was a kid, I, how do I put this? I never really had 
like I never had to worry about money as a kid. Let me let me explain where I'm going with this. I never had to worry about money as a kid because when I was a kid, it wasn't like an issue in our house. We weren't like rich, rich, but it wasn't like an issue. So I never really even understood the value of money. And I also never actually had a need for it. Like, okay, what do we always want in this life? We always want in this life what we feel that we lacked when we were growing up or we were coming of age, right? So people who come from backgrounds that, that you know, their family didn't have a lot of money. It was hard to pay the bills. Well, they always want money. They, they want money. That's what they typically want is they want to say, oh, okay, now I made it, right? This is the classic American story of, you know, somebody who made it out the hood, right? Uh, but all the, you know, the rappers, the the one who made it, right? Out of all the, the thousand rappers that grew up in the projects or whatever, you know, this is the guy who made it. This is the story of rags to riches. We all want, and there are a lot of different examples of this, and it's not always like an extreme example, but... We all want typically something that we feel that we lacked early on in life. Now, for me, because I had enough of, you know, these material possessions and things like that growing up, that's never something that I really wanted that bad. What I did want, though, is more respect, respect from my peers and from myself and respect in the sense that I could be a little bit tougher mentally, emotionally and physically. And for me, being a bit tougher meant learning to be able to survive with less than average conditions. Hence, me being able to survive living in a closet for three months without having hardly any space and anything like that. This is just like one little example. See, throughout my 20s, I was doing all of these things to try to prove that I could live without having a bunch of money. You know, I was doing the opposite of what most people do. Most people were trying to make a whole bunch of money that way they could prove, ah, I can, I can be successful in this life. I can have a lot of money, even though maybe I didn't grow up with it. Or maybe I, you know, somebody didn't think I would be that financially successful. For me, it was the opposite. I was trying to prove that I could live without hardly any money. And so what I did throughout my 20s is I worked mostly as a freelance contractor and interpreter and was making like a very average, if not slightly below average salary that was always between $30,000 and $50,000 per year, which at the time was pretty much right in the middle average in the United States if you're looking at between 2012 and 2019. And what I would do is I would save up enough money to travel somewhere else, at least for one or two months out of each year. And because of that, I was able to travel to a whole bunch of different random countries and things like that. Now, what I learned from this whole experience is the value of minimalism, not just in terms of like material possessions, but just as a lifestyle. Um, Because I think the problem that exists in this world with a lot of people is, there's a cliche saying, they'll say, you don't own your possessions, your possessions own you. See, I know so many people who are so attached to everything that they have in this world, because you think of that person that I described, that typical, you know, American, let's just call it, who lives that lifestyle, you know, then all of a sudden you get to be 30, 40, 50 years old, and you've got all of these things that, that you technically own, even though, let's be honest, we don't really own hardly anything as human beings, you know, that, you know, you could say God or nature owns everything or the government owns everything, because if you do anything that the government doesn't like, they'll just come in and take your stuff or your money anyway. But anyway, people think that they own all of these things, right? So, you know, maybe they own these properties, they own these cars, they have these assets and everything like that, right? But it ultimately limits their freedom in a lot of ways, because when you have everything, everything that you've worked for, everything that you've done goes to these material possessions that you've spent all of this money on, right? 
it gets to the point where your possessions own you. And the way I see it, as I've described in this podcast in a recent episode, is there's really not much of a difference in the United States of America right now between someone who earns $30,000 a year and someone who earns $3,000 a year. This is like the lower and upper limit of kind of the range of middle class. $30,000 a year is kind of almost poverty by today's standards. You're very lower middle class. $300,000 a year, you're at the very, very upper limit. You're almost like in the rich, but you're not quite that rich yet. But either way, you still live the same lifestyle. Both of those people, the typical person who makes $30,000 a year and the typical person who makes $300,000 a year, work very, very hard. They work probably 40 plus hours a week. And then, you know, the money that they make, really the only difference is the person who makes 300,000 has a nicer set of things, a nicer house, a nicer car, some additional assets. But the lifestyle and the day-to-day energies are really kind of the same thing. It's a bit of stress and overwhelm because I got to do this and I got to do this and this and this. I've said before that I think the key to a wonderful life would be to live like someone who makes $50,000 a year while making $200,000 a year, just as an example, okay? But the value of minimalism is that it frees us up for so many other things. When you're no longer attached to all these material possessions, then you have freedom of mind to think about all of these other big topics. See, the other interesting thing is I think that the powers are be powers that be are very happy that most of us, even very successful quote-unquote people in the United States who make over $100,000 a year, etc., don't even actually think about the bigger picture of the world because we're so bogged down still with bills to pay and things to do and all of these possessions that we own and things like that, that we're not even thinking about the bigger picture. We're not even thinking about, you know, where the world could go in 10 or 15 years in terms of artificial intelligence. Um, you know, no, one, no one's thinking about the bigger picture. Everyone is still bogged down in their own little little things, right? Whether you make $30,000 a year or $300,000 a year. So minimalism for me is a way to free up the mind for a little bit more free thinking. I feel like very few people go through this life and have hardly any time to think freely. Now, the reason I consider minimalism a great lesson that I learned is not just as it relates to um, financial or material minimalism. It also very strongly relates to clearing the clutter both physically and mentally. What do I mean by clearing the clutter? So I'm a person who likes to have things very neat and orderly, not even like neat and orderly, like organized in a way that like looks really nice, but I like to have things very simple, like not a lot of things. Like if you walk into any, you know, place that I live or room that I spend time in, in general, you're not going to see that many things because too many things for me just kind of creates like a sense of overwhelmingness, right? I just want like, okay, these are my two or three things that I have in front of me and that's all I need to focus on. I don't like to walk into a room and see like a thousand different things. Very similarly, when you look at like what I like to do on a day-to-day basis is I like to be very task-oriented and focused on singular things. Like when you have like a massive whole bunch of things going on around you. Take for example, you know, like the cell phones that we carry around all day. Your cell phone right now, if you look at it, And if you've let it go for 30 minutes, there's probably 50 random notifications from like nine different apps and stuff like that. That's fine. That's part of the world that we live in. For me, I like to minimize things and make things as simple as possible. So like before I can even get started on any of the tasks that I'm going to work on, whether it's a work-related task or whether it's responding to people's messages and things like that, I have to clear the clutter first. This is just me speaking. This is not saying that it's going to be the same exact way for everyone else, but it's digital minimalism. Digital 
Digital minimalism is hugely important if you're someone who thinks like I do nowadays. Because like I said, we get overwhelmed with so many different messages and things like that all day long. If you can just clear the clutter. Okay, so let's see. I'm going to get rid of these Instagram messages and notifications that have popped up. I'm going to get rid of my calendar notifications. I'm going to get rid of my WhatsApp notifications for now. And I'm just going to respond to the lead connector ones that came in through the business, right? Like, you have to create a system where you can be more of a minimalist. That way you can focus more directly on the task at hand. I think... We live in a world that has so much clutter in terms of like material possessions and in terms of messages, the physical and the digital world that we live in is full of absolute clutter. And life is beautiful when you can just clear the clutter and focus on one thing at a time. Like this is a flow state. Of The flow state is defined as being purely focused on one thing right now and not having your mind be distracted by a whole bunch of other things. And the flow state, you can live in the flow state doing any sort of a task. It can be a task that you love doing. You might be in a flow state having sex or you might be in a flow state in something that you hate doing like working on a work project. But the beauty of it is if you get into the flow state and you only focus on that, you don't worry about all the clutter on the outside. You don't worry about the problems that happened yesterday or you know the stuff you got going on in your relationship, the stuff you got to do with your kids, all that. If you get into the flow state and just focus on the task at hand, that's the best way to live life. And in a certain way, being a minimalist, both physically and digitally, is the quickest way to get into that flow state. This is one of the things that I like to talk about on this podcast is like when I'm recording this podcast, the other things just don't even exist, right? The fact that I have to go to work again in 45 minutes doesn't exist. The fact that I have some issues with my financial situation right now doesn't exist. The fact that, you know, all of these little problems in day-to-day life don't exist because a minimalist mindset clears the clutter. And it starts with the physical. I'm a big believer in that. As you clear the clutter physically, create a space for yourself where you don't have all of these things distracting you, and then you clear the clutter digitally. You clear the clutter by getting rid of, you know, however you want to do it. We live in a world where we're bombarded with messages all the time, but you got to clear the clutter and focus on one thing. You keep your eyes on the prize. The reason that I preach this so much in this podcast is because I know there are some of you out there that are exactly like me, and you're the ones that have made it this far in this episode. Not, we're not all the same. Not everybody cares that much about this like I do. But for me, I'm one who loves to do things with a singular focus all day long. Life is just much, much better that way. And so the more you can be a minimalist, both physically and especially digitally in the modern world, the more you can get into a flow state and the more you can really enjoy life. Because right now, like in this moment, I'm in one of the highest energy states that you can get into. I'm in one of the highest energy states that you can get into right now because my mind is solely focused on recording this podcast, and it's a beautiful thing. Very rarely in the modern world do I see people truly getting into a flow state. Everybody's always kind of like looking at their phone, looking at TikTok and Reels and whatever, and maybe kind of working and blah, 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 blah. Like, that's not the way that I like to live, and that's why I preach this this state of minimalism so often. So I feel like I kind of rambled a little bit. This is funny because this episode didn't go like the way I was expecting at all. I wrote down some notes and then it just kind of like took off from there and I started rambling again. But that's the beauty of a podcast. And so what I want you to take away from this, it's funny because when I was thinking about the title, I was like, right, it was going to be like the best lesson I learned from traveling. Well, okay, let's let's back up here and talk about minimalism as it relates to traveling because one key point, probably should have done this at the beginning before I lost half of the listeners, but 
one key thing, especially if you're someone from the U.S. and you know you probably are lucky enough to be able to travel to different parts of the world, it's much more difficult to travel for people from other countries sometimes due to visa restrictions and things like that. But let's say you're from the U.S. and you're looking to travel more, but for whatever reason you just haven't felt that it's possible, blah, 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 blah. Um, it's actually much, much easier to travel than you think and much more financially possible than you think. Keep in mind that you know when I was in my 20s, I made between $30,000 and $50,000 per year, which is not really that much money at all, and spent like a lot of time traveling. And the reason is because travel is just really not that expensive. If you understand how to fly in a way that doesn't cost a whole bunch of money, pick some cheaper airlines, you know, fly in an itinerary that's not necessarily the best time of day, all that stuff. And then in terms of like where you stay when you travel, you know, you can live on less than $20 per night in the majority of countries in this world. You find an Airbnb, you find a hostel, things like that. Like, I learned a lot from traveling back then, just about how simple and how cheap life can be, quite frankly. Um, and it's a beautiful life that way. I still know a lot of people who just choose to live that way. They're like, well, you know, I'm, I know people in their 50s who are like, well, I just realized that life is not that fun when all you're doing is working a corporate job trying to accumulate more possessions every day. So I chose to travel and see the world, realizing that I could do so on you know, let's call it $50 a day for, you know, food and, you know, lodging and things like that. Right. Um, and so I'm not going to get into like all of the details on where you can go, you know, what sort of Airbnbs that you should stay in, blah, 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 all that stuff. But the point is, is traveling the world for cheap is super, super easy. Um, and I highly recommend it to a lot of people. And, um, (laughs) Yeah, it's funny because like what motivated me to do this episode is because I was looking at like the previous episodes, you know, that I had posted and trying to figure out like what people are actually interested in. And one of the ones that one of the episodes that got the most views was how to work remotely and travel the world. I did an episode on that like a month ago, how to work remotely and travel the world. I'm like, oh, I guess people are obviously interested in that topic. Right. Um and so it's funny because like it's to me it's something that's so simple like to work remotely and travel the world like for most of you it'd be a little harder for me right now because I bought a condo in Minneapolis and and all that stuff but um, you know if you're not tied to any possessions and even if you are tied to certain possessions working remotely and traveling the world is super easy uh, because there are tons of jobs that you can do online Um, heck you could even get like a real you know job W2 job with a company where you still work remotely and travel the world depending on what they allow. But if you have any sort of digital skill set whatsoever, you can get online jobs, freelance or however you might do it, uh, and you can work remotely and travel the world. And this is all sorts of things. This could be working in computer programming, um, in IT. It could be working in copywriting. It could be working in translation. It could be working... I mean, like 70% of the jobs that we do nowadays do not require you to be in person anyway. So... For 70% of you, I'm just making that number up, whatever your educational background or skill set or job that you do now is, you could do it online and travel the world, basically, Um, as long as you got Wi-Fi and everywhere's got Wi-Fi. So (laughs) sometimes it's not quite as fast as as your living room in Kansas City, Missouri or wherever it is that you live. (laughs) It's a random city to pick. Nobody lives in Kansas City, Missouri. No, but um, the point is, is you can do it. You can work remotely and travel the world. The point of this episode is I wanted to talk to you about minimalism, the value of physical and digital minimalism. So I hope that was worth something to you, and we will talk again soon. All right. Love you all. Peace.